I want you to take your Bibles tonight, if you will, please, and turn to Psalm 134. I know that there were people that were a little, uh, a little antsy about coming out tonight just because of the forecast and those kind of things. And uh, like I said, we've checked, we've checked it. It's supposed to stay, we're supposed to say way safe until late, late tonight, probably up in the morning. And so I think we're going to be okay. But I think we're, we're going to let you out of here a little earlier than we normally would. So uh, anyway, Psalm, 130, uh, Psalm 134 in your Bibles. And when you find your place, if you'll stand with us tonight out of respect for the reading of God's Word. Uh, the last two Wednesday nights, of course, we were online as we were trying to sort of let them uh, get, get the floor uh, finished. And so this is the first Wednesday night that we've been back together in three weeks. And, and of course, if you've been a part of the live stream, we've been talking about public worship, understanding the wonderful way of public worship. Uh, and I want to I be sure that I finish that, and, and I don't think we're going to finish it tonight. We're just going to really just hit one nail tonight. But I want to go a little further with that subject tonight, if I could. Psalm 134, we're using this as sort of a jumping board to get into that. that. And so Psalm 134 and verse number one says, Behold, bless ye the Lord, all ye servants of the Lord, which by night stand in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. The Lord that made heaven and earth, bless thee out of Zion. And then if you want to, turn back, if you will, to Psalm 122. Uh, this is also a song of degrees. Psalm 122, verse number one. And the psalmist said, I was glad... When they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And then turn back over, if you will, to Psalm 127. Again, this is a song of degrees. Psalm 127 and verse number one, the psalmist said, Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. And you may be seated tonight, and uh, I'm going to uh, pray quickly, and then we're going to jump right into the Bible study. We'll take, we'll take two or three minutes and review, and then we'll get right into some brand new material tonight, and I hope that this will be a blessing to you. And understanding the wonderful way of public worship. By the way, it is wonderful. It is wonderful. And I'm so glad that I get to be a part of something like this. Uh, honestly, it, it, it's wonderful. The, the way God has it all orchestrated and set up, man, it's just a blessing. Uh, it's a blessing. Every time I get the opportunity to walk into this place, it's a blessing. And it's not always this place. Man, I, I enjoy worshiping with other churches and, uh, and God is so faithful to meet with us. But I want to talk to you about understanding that and why it's so important and, and why we put so much emphasis uh, upon it and why we can't afford to get away from it, uh, even with all this COVID thing that's going on. And, uh, and I understand people have, there's not a one size fits all. I, I understand that. And we're not uh, criticizing any, anybody. Uh, some of our folk that are watching my way of live stream that I have health issues and health concerns. I get it. I understand all of that. Uh, but, but I would say this, that when this thing is out of here, people better get back to the house of God because we need it. We need public worship. And I am so thankful. And these guys do a fabulous job and I'm so thankful. And I appreciate Calvary investing in these, 
more expensive cameras and all these things that you're doing to try to take the live stream to the next level. Thankful for that. I'm thankful for Countdown to Courage and these other things that these other men are doing uh, on the air. But there's nothing that's going to take the place of meeting together for public worship. And so I want to talk to us a little bit about that tonight. Let's pray and we'll jump into this. Father, thank you for the privilege to be here tonight. And Lord, thank you for our Calvary family and for all of those, Lord, that are with us this evening. Uh, those that are visiting tonight, we're so glad to have them in the Lord's house. And then, Lord, those that are watching by way of live stream and those that are visiting by way of live stream tonight. Lord, we're so glad to have them this evening. Lord, thank you for bringing the nuns our way. And uh, God, what a blessing. Lord, they've been such a great addition to the service tonight. And we thank you for that. Father, give us an understanding now of why we worship and uh, why it's so wonderful and why we do what we do. Uh, Lord, it's not by accident. It's not by coincidence. Lord, so many of the things that we incorporate into the service are on purpose. And so I pray that you'll give us a greater understanding of those things tonight. Fill us with the Holy Spirit and speak through us tonight. And Lord, I pray that Christ will receive honor and praise and glory from all that's done. And Lord, if there may be any here tonight or any watching by way of live stream that don't know Christ, I pray tonight will be the night that they'll find their way to the Savior. Uh, Lord, encourage us, help us, glorify your Son, please. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name, we pray and for his sake and all God's people said, amen. And we've been using the songs of degrees uh, sort of as a jumping board to get into this study. And you remember we said that the songs of degrees were psalms that the Hebrew people sang as they were on their track up to Jerusalem. And Jerusalem is way above sea level. And so anytime you went to Jerusalem, is always up. Everything, uh, everything away from Jerusalem is down. And so these families would have certain meeting points where they would gather, they would meet together, and then the group would get larger, and then they would travel on to another waypoint, and they would gain more family members, and the group would get larger and larger as they made their way to Jerusalem. And as they're on their way to the great city, they're singing these songs of degrees. As they come to a higher degree, they would sing another psalm, and a higher degree, they would sing another psalm, and so that's why they're called uh, songs of degrees. And we find here some great lessons concerning worship, uh, public worship, and they use these psalms in their public worship as they would make their way to the city of Jerusalem. Now, there were several things that uh, we're talking about that are included in biblical public worship. And if you've been a part of the live stream, of course, you have saw some of these things. Number one, we said that public worship included music and melody. It included, uh, included music and melody. We said in God's plan of worship that music has always been hugely important. Now there are several different reasons. We said number one here that music can affect your memory and it certainly does. Uh, a certain song or melody has the ability to, to stick in your mind for long periods of time. That's why it's so important that we listen to the right kind of music. Uh, you folks that have been saved out of a you're saved out of a little rougher background. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, sometimes those songs that don't necessarily glorify the Lord have a way of staying in your memory. It's hard to, once you get something in this computer, it's hard to get it out. 
And so that's why it's, it's, it's so important that we listen to good, godly, uplifting, uh, enlightening music because music can affect your memory. But then we said number two, that music can affect your movements. Uh, music has power and music can affect your movements. Then we said also that music can affect your mood. Uh, it has a way of making you feel happy. It has a way of making you feel sad. Uh, music can make you reflect on things. And, uh, and music has a way of affecting your mood. But then we said more importantly than that, that music can be used as a medium for worship. And it really can. The psalmist said in Psalm 135, verse number three, praise the Lord. For the Lord is good. Sing praises unto his name, for it is pleasant. In Psalm 7, 17, he said, I will praise the Lord according to his righteousness and will sing praise to the name of the Lord most high. And so music is an important part of worship. Why do we do what we do? Why do we have the congregational singing? Why do we usually plan specials almost every single service? Uh, because music has a way of, of helping in worship. And we said that, that music opens the spirit of the Christian and even opens the spirit of the sinner. Music has a way of speaking to the sinner. By the way, I'll say a little bit more about that here toward the end of the message uh, tonight. But public worship included music and melody. But number two, we said that public worship included attendance at multiple times. And if you were a part of, again, a part of the, the, the service last Wednesday night, and we said that this idea of one little short, sweet, brief Sunday morning service is really not biblical worship. That's really not. Uh, it, it is societal, you know, that's sort of the direction our society is going. But if you want to find out what biblical worship is all about, uh, biblical worship uh, meant multiple times of the day. They worship during the day. But they also worship during the night. They worship, a lot of times their worship lasted for days on end. Their worship lasted for extended periods of time. We took some time to, to show you last week about one service that went to midnight. In fact, it not only went to midnight, it went all night long. All night long. Until the sun was coming up the next day. And so, this idea of, of coming for worship and, and uh, you know, just sort of having that mentality. Lord, uh, you know, Lord, you got, you got 23 minutes to bless me. And I just want to remind us that the Lord doesn't work on our time schedule. And, uh, and, and, and I, you know, I say that a little uh, facetiously tonight, but truth of the matter is a lot of churches, you know, they, it's, it's pretty cut and dry. They know exactly when they're getting in. They know exactly when they're getting out. And it's, you know, and if, if the preacher goes over 30 seconds, people are already looking at their clocks and, and uh, wanting to know, you know, when are we getting out? And I said last Wednesday night, man, when you come, don't come to get out, come to get in. <laughs> and man, come, come expecting something when you walk through those doors. Man, come with a spirit of anticipation. I, I wonder what God's gonna do tonight. I, I wonder how the Lord's gonna speak to my heart tonight. I, boy, I wonder how the Lord's gonna work on me. And, uh, and so we come with a, with a spirit of anticipation. And so public worship in, uh, included multiple times uh, of the day. But I want to talk to you about this subject tonight. How about this? Number three, we noticed that public worship included uh, a message from God's man. 
Public worship included a message from God's man. In Psalm chapter 40, verse 9, the psalmist said, I have preached righteousness in the great congregation. Lo, I have not refrained my lips. O Lord, thou knowest. Paul is writing his letter to Titus. In Titus 1 and verse number 3, he said, But hath in due times manifested his word through preaching, which is committed unto me according to the commandment of God our Savior. In Acts chapter 20, verses 27 and 28, the apostle Paul is speaking to the elders. And he said this to the elders, For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Take heed therefore unto yourselves, and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. May I remind us tonight what the apostle Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse number 1. The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God, which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. And so preaching, 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 uh, the preaching of the word of God ought to be a big part of our public worship service. The apostle Paul's dying word, his dying word was an, was an admonition for preaching as he wrote to younger Timothy in 2 Timothy 4, verse number one, Paul said, I charge thee before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. In verse number two, he's talking to Timothy and he said, Timothy, preach the word. Preach the word, Timothy. My time is almost done. Nero's about to take my head. But he said, Timothy, as you're going to Ephesus to pastor that church, he said, young man, be sure that you preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Preaching, preaching. Now I'm gonna talk to you a little bit about preaching tonight. And specifically, why is it's important to have preaching as a part of the worship service. Why do we have preaching? Well, it's a Baptist thing. It's not a Baptist thing. It's a Bible thing. Uh, why do we have preaching? Well, it's just what we've always done. No, it's, 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 a, it's a biblical thing. Preaching is, is a biblical part of worship. And so why is it important to have preaching as a part of the public worship service, several things tonight. Number one, we find this, that preaching exhibits the power of God. Amen. Now take your Bibles tonight, if you will, please. And we're gonna use our Bibles considerably tonight. So I want you to turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter one, if you would tonight. 1 Corinthians in your New Testament, 1 Corinthians chapter number one. And the apostle Paul here, under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is talking about preaching. And notice what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter number one and verse number 18. Paul says to this church, for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. And it is, isn't it? It is. You know what the world thinks about preaching? They think it's the dumbest thing ever. They think that preaching is, is uh, prehistoric. Preaching is something that is something that they used to do a long, long time ago. And, uh, and those men get up there and they preach like they do. And man, it's just, it's foolish. And the truth of the matter is, the Holy Spirit said that's what they'd say. Yeah. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, 
But unto us which are saved, it is the what? It is the power of God. It is the power of God. Preaching is the power of God. I love that word power. It's the Greek word dynamis. It means a force. It means power. It means strength. In other words, the right kind, the right kind of preaching gives the Christian force to go on. It gives the Christian strength to move forward. I wrote this down. Preaching motivates the Christian to go forward for the glory of God. But how about this? Preaching motivates the Christians to stop for the glory of God. Sometimes preaching motivates you to stop certain things. To stop talking a certain way. To stop going to certain places. To stop looking at certain things. Power-packed preaching, and it does. Power-packed preaching has the ability to make a difference and to move the Christian past certain obstacles. Listen, preaching in the power of the Holy Spirit can accomplish things uh, that other things cannot. Dynamis. It's the power of God. Dynamis. We get a word from that. It's called dynamite. Several months ago, my wife and I were watching a we were watching this program uh, about extreme rescues. And they were, there were these fellas who went down in this cave. I'm talking down in this cave. They were way down. Church, I mean, they were so far off the radar. It was crazy. I don't know why anybody would want to do something like that. But anyway, they're down in this cave and uh, they're showing a diagram of just how far back in the, in the earth that they are. And they're way, way back there. And they're climbing through these crevasses and these cracks of the, the rock. And, uh, and anyway, they get way down in there and a rock comes loose from the cave ceiling. And it hits one of the team in the back and it breaks his back. So one of the other team members has to climb all the way back out. He has to get word to the emergency personnel. And so they have to fly him with a helicopter. They have to fly him up there. And then it takes them hours to get down to where the guy is, where his, his back is broken. They finally get down there to him. They take a doctor with them. They examine him. His back is broken. They have to put him on a, on a, a, a backboard, get him all strapped in, trying to keep him from going into shock. And then they have to get him out. Well, because of the way the cave is, it's crooked and, and one man can hardly fit through there because that backboard won't bend. It's not flexible. They're having an awful time. They pull him up so far, but that backboard won't work its way through, the, through those cracks. And so literally they spent hours and hours down there trying to get him out and they just can't get him out. They're down there with hammers and chisels they're hammering on those rocks, trying to make a way, and that doesn't work. And finally, they say, you know, we're going to have to do something drastic. This guy's going to die. And so they call in some other specialists, and they bring in the dynamite. They crawl down in this crevasse, and they begin to drill in these rocks, and, and, uh, and they uh, set off that dynamite, and they blow it out of the way here, and they go up a little further, and they blow it out of the way there, and and little by little, almost, I think 24 hours later, they're finally able to pull this guy up out of the cave. But my point is this. They cleared the obstacles by using that dynamite. 
by that dynamite removed the obstacles out of the way so that man could ascend. So he could go to a higher place in his life. Did you know that's exactly what preaching does? You know, that's exactly why, that's exactly why people need to get back to the house of God. And I know a lot of times they feel like, well, I don't need that. Yes, you need it more than you know you need it. And uh, listen, what drugs cannot do and what alcohol cannot do, preaching, spirit-filled preaching can do. You understand tonight that one of the reasons that so many lives were changed in the early church is because there were, there were spirit-filled powerful preaching that was a part of their worship. Can you take your Bibles and turn back to the book of Acts with me? Acts chapter four. And look, if you will, please, at verse number 33. Acts chapter four and verse number 33. And how many know that when the apostles, here, here, here we are in the early church, the apostles, God is blessing them. They're doing miracles Literally thousands are being saved. Lives are being changed. The church is exploding with growth. Uh, it's going from addition to multiplication. And God is doing something very, very supernatural here. Look at Acts chapter four, verse number 33. The Bible says, and with great, what's the word? By the way, it's the same exact word we just read in 1 Corinthians chapter one. And with great power, Dynamis gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all. Now you'll forgive me, but I get excited over word studies. The Bible says, and with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Great, great. I went back and looked that up. It's the Greek word migas. M-E-G-A-S is how we would spell that Greek word. We get a word from that. It's called mega. Mega. You ever got something that was mega? You ever got a mega Slurpee? Come on now, yeah. You ever, you ever, you ever, you ever got a mega cheeseburger? Come on, can I get a witness tonight? Mega. We get that word. That's, that's where that word comes from. Uh, it means great. The Bible says with great power, that mega, that mega power, that dynamite, that dynamis, powerful preaching brings about change. Amen. I read a story this week about a fellow by the name of John Knox. John Knox. This article said this, God used John Knox to bring about a great reformation in Scotland. Although Knox had been imprisoned and enslaved and though he was often infirm, and under threat of persecution, he consistently lived out his theology, believing that, quote, one man with God is always in the majority. As such, the prayers of one man heard at the throne of God were a threat to the throne of Scotland. During the time of the 16th century Scottish Reformation, Knox's ministry of preaching and prayer were so well known that the Roman Catholic Mary, Queen of Scots, is reputed to have said... I fear the prayers of John Knox more than all the assembled armies of Europe. I fear the prayers of John Knox more than all the assembled armies of Europe. Preaching. Man, there's power in preaching. I like what John Wesley said. John Wesley said, I just set myself on fire. 
And people come to watch me burn. Spirit-filled preaching. Preaching exhibits the power of God quickly. How about this? Number two, preaching performed right pleases God. Now turn back. I know we're, we're turning a lot tonight. Turn back to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 again. And look at verse number 21. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse number 21. Why do, we, why do we have preaching, pastor, in our public worship service? Why is preaching such a big deal? Because preaching performed right pleases the Lord. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21. The Bible says, for after that, in the wisdom of God... The world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of what? By the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. A sinful, carnal generation does not like preaching. (laughs) Calvary, this church is growing. God's blessing, folks are coming from all walks of life. And by the way, it's exciting. We love it. It's wonderful. Everybody's welcome at Calvary Baptist Church. Regardless of creed, color, how rich, how poor, it doesn't matter. Uh, when you walk in Calvary Baptist Church, everybody's welcome at Calvary Baptist Church. But I want to go ahead and fill you in on something. Not everybody that comes to Calvary Baptist Church is going to like preaching. Not everybody's going to be for preaching. We're seeing preaching sort of being put on the back burner nowadays. We're having a whole lot more singing in our public worship services. And I'm definitely not against that. You know that. I love singing. I love great music. We have some of the greatest music at Calvary Baptist Church. When those young ladies sang tonight, that was phenomenal. I love it. I love it. But a lot of churches are beginning to do away. They're they're phasing out the preaching and they're bringing in a lot more singing. They're phasing out the preaching and bringing in dramas. Phasing out the preaching and bringing in small groups. Not, I'm not preaching against that. Not preaching against that at all. But I am saying this. If you want to have small groups, that's fine. Perfectly fine. But don't do away with preaching. Right. Don't do away with preaching. How many know that, that many Christian radio stations that used to have preaching hardly have any preaching anymore? Right. But here's, here's the point, though. If God likes preaching, it doesn't matter who don't like preaching. <laughs> somebody says pastor that preaching's not very popular well we never started doing it because it was popular but God said it pleases me that preaching pleases me and so uh, if it pleases the Lord then we ought to be faithful to do it and what's really sad what's really sad is that preachers even preachers are placing a lower priority on preaching There was a recent poll that was taken among preachers. So I just pick on the preachers for a little bit. And they were talking to the preachers about the different duties that take place in the local church. Duties like administration, like teaching, like preaching, like pastoring, visiting the hospitals, preaching funerals, something they called priestly work, which would be, in my opinion, that'd be your prayer time and your quiet time and walking with God, church business. And they asked this question to hundreds of preachers, which of these is most important of all these ministries? And the overwhelming response was preaching. Well, of course, preaching is the most important. 
And then they ask a second question. Of all these responsibilities, which one do you spend the most time in? And the overwhelming answer was administration. And preaching came last on the list. Now, what are you, what are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying we're moving away from preaching. Heard about, I read about this guy who uh, he never prepared during the week. And, uh, and he would get to the, the church on Sunday morning and, and while the music service was going on and the congregation was singing hymns and stuff, he was sitting up here on the platform and he was praying, God, give me a message. God, give me a message. God, give me a message. Never studied, never prepared, walked in unprepared. Lord, give me a message. Lord, give me a message. He'd pray that during the whole song service. And one day God really spoke to him. He said, Ralph, here's your message. You're a lazy bum. You're a lazy bum because you don't prepare. That's your message. Oh, listen, preaching pleases the Lord. And so why do we have preaching? Why is preaching so important? Number one, preaching exhibits the power of God. Preaching performed right pleases the Lord. But last of all tonight, how about this? Number, uh, number three is this. Preaching publicly proclaims the word of God. That's why preaching is so important. That's why you're here tonight. I know that's why you're here tonight. Why else would you come out on a, on a cold, rainy, wet night like tonight? You're here because you believe in the importance of a public worship service. That's why you're here tonight. And I'm thankful, I'm thankful that I pastor people who believe in the importance of preaching. Oswald J. Smith said this, the world does not need sermons. It needs a message you can go to seminary and learn how to preach sermons, but you'll have to go to God to get a message. Spirit-filled preaching is not so much the word of a man as it is the word of God. Another person said it like this. Some preachers preach longhorn sermons. A point here and a point there and a lot of bull in between. Boy, that's true, isn't it? Preaching publicly proclaims the word of God. I want to answer a question for you tonight. And here's the question. How can you tell the difference in a sermon and a message that proclaims God's word? I'm going to show you how you can do it tonight. A message from the word of God will effectually work in people's hearts and lives. Now take your Bibles. I want to show it to you. And turn to 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. And I want you to find your place to verse number 13 tonight. 1 Thessalonians, chapter number 2. And look at verse number 13. This is wonderful. Notice what the Apostle Paul says to the church of Thessalonica. Verse number 13, he said, For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when ye received the word of God, Ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God. Look at the last line. Which effectually worketh also in you that believe. You know why this world's not being changed? 
You know why so many people can walk into churches Sunday after Sunday after Sunday? They walk in one way and they leave the same way. They heard a sermon, but that's all they heard. They heard a sermon, but they never heard a message. They heard an outline, but they never heard a word from the Lord. And whenever you go to the right kind of church and you hear the right kind of preaching, that preaching will have an effect. That preaching will will work on your life. Preaching changes things. Preaching changes people. Preaching changes lives. Preaching affects homes. Preaching directs marriages. Preaching will divert the sinner from hell. That's what preaching will do. Now this is old school. John Wesley, that well-known evangelist, Methodist evangelist, said that he would go to his young men who he sent out to preach. He would get those young men together and he would ask his young preacher boys two questions. He would say, number one, has anyone been converted? Number two, did anyone get mad? And if his preacher boys said no, John Wesley would say, I'm not saying I'm do this. I'm just telling you what John Wesley said. John Wesley said, I don't believe you're called to preach. You probably need to find another line of work. And they said that John Wesley would send them on their way. Because he said, when the Holy Ghost convicts of sin, people are either converted or they don't like it and they get mad. But you can, you can guarantee this. Preaching proclaims the word of God. Amen. Man, I love reading and hearing these stories. The Billy Graham evangelistic team was holding a crusade in London, England. Wembley. Uh, they were in a big stadium called Earl's Court. And God was doing great things. People were coming and getting saved and hearts were being touched and This was something sort of new for London. And so the reporters, of course, because there were thousands that were coming to the meeting, many of the press came out and the press would be in the service and they would see these people walking the aisles by the droves, receiving Christ as Savior. And so the press began to print articles and in these articles, they they said this, they said the only reason these people are walking these aisles And the only reason these people are being saved is because of that song, Just As I Am. And that was the theme song that the Billy Graham Crusade used for years and years. And they would get up there, Cliff Barrows would get up there and lead and they would would sing that song, Just As I Am Without One Plea, but that thy blood was shed for me. And they would do stanza after stanza and people would literally flood the altar. And the reporter said the only reason those people are coming is because of that song, Just As I Am. It sort of pulls on their heartstrings, and that's why folks are coming. So Billy Graham and Cliff Barrows got together, and Billy Graham said, Cliff, I don't want any music tomorrow night. During the invitation, no music. They had never done that before. They talk about how it was so awkward. In fact, there were several minutes that passed, maybe 10 to 15 minutes passed, and and no one came. And then all of a sudden, one seat squeaked, and a sinner got up and began to walk the aisle, and then another, and then another, and then another. 
And for 30 nights, for 30 nights, church, they had not one invitational song. And 40,000 people walked the aisle and gave their heart to Jesus Christ. In fact, they said at the end, at the end of that 30 nights, the reporter said, bring back just as I am. The silence is killing us. You say, Pastor, what would convince those people to come? Preaching. Preaching that publicly proclaims the word of God. Amen. Why? Spirit-filled preaching will, will do something that other things cannot do. It was Alexis Tocqueville, the French historian, who said this when he came to America. He said, I sought for the greatness and genius of America in her commodious harbors and her ample rivers, and it was not there. In her fertile fields and boundless forests, and it was not there. In her rich mines and her vast world commerce, and it was not there. In her democratic congress and her matchless constitution, and it was not there. And Tocqueville said, not until I went into the churches of America and heard her pulpits flame with righteousness did I understand the secret of her genius and power. America is great because she is good. And if America ever ceases to be good, she will cease to be great. Wow. Preaching. Preaching. It's why preaching is such a big deal at Calvary Baptist Church. Because the preaching of God's word publicly proclaims the message of the Lord. Thanks for being a congregation that loves preaching. I mean that. Let's bow our heads tonight. Father, thank you for this time we've had together tonight. Thank you for teaching us something this evening. Lord, why do we do what we do? Why are we a part of a, of a, of a church like this, a service like this? Why, Lord, why do we want to be a, a part of a service where it's, it's lively and upbeat, encouraging? The music's not dead. The music is alive. Lord, the music works in your heart. Lord, why do we want to be a, a, a part of a church where we not only meet, but we meet often? Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, conferences, revivals, prayer meetings, Lord, because it's biblical. And Lord, thank you for allowing us to be a part of a ministry like this where preaching is such an important part of the service. Father, I, this is what I pray tonight. That you'll help every one of us to have this attitude. Lord, would you help me to be open to the preaching of God's word? Lord, every time I walk into this place, Heavenly Father, would you speak to my heart? It's not my brother, not my sister, but it's me, O oh Lord. God, every time I walk into Calvary Baptist Church, would you give our preacher a message? Or that one that's standing behind the pulpit that day, would you give them a message? And Lord, would you speak to my heart? Lord, use that dynamis to blow some things out of my life.
to remove some obstacles, to take me to greater heights. God, I pray that you'd do it. Lord, I pray that you'll bless in this invitation. Lord, it could be there's somebody watching tonight that doesn't know they're on their way to heaven. Lord, tonight, would you speak to their heart and let them know they're a sinner in need of a Savior. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Lord, because of that sin, there's a penalty that we must pay. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And Heavenly Father, would you help them to realize that if they die in their sin, that they'll spend eternity in a Christless hell, separated from God. But Lord, help them to realize that you love them so much that you gave their, your only son for them. Romans chapter five, verse eight, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And Lord, he not only died and was buried, but he rose again. And Father, would you help them to realize that Jesus did all of that to pay the penalty for their sin. Romans chapter 10, verse 13 says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That if thou shalt believe in thine heart, confess with the mouth, Lord, that you'll be willing to save them tonight. Father, that one that's watching tonight, help them right now to find a place and to kneel and to call out to a heavenly Father and ask you right now to save their soul. I pray right now they'd pray something like this, Lord, I'm sorry for my sin. Lord, I'm sorry for my sin. Please forgive me for my sins, my wrongs. And right now, dear Savior, save my soul. Lord, save me. I believe you died for me and rose again. And right now, Lord Jesus, come into my heart life and save me and take me to heaven when I die. I'm trusting you this night as my Lord and Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me.